you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, you can find it in your order of service as well. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the pew in front of you. For as long as I can remember, Psalm 46 has been my favorite psalm. And I want to read it to you. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. For there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, and God is within her, and she will not fail. For God will help her at the break of day, and nations are in an uproar, and kingdoms fall, and he lifts his voice, and the earth melts. For the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth, and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear, and he burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God, for I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted on the earth, for the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. I remember getting a birthday card when I was 17 years old. I was turning 17. It was a birthday card from one of my Sunday school teachers. Now, the same teacher I've mentioned before that used to stay on me all the time, quoting the passage, to whom much is given, much shall be required. She challenged me that I'd been given gifts and I needed to use those for God's kingdom. And she was always on me. She had a profound effect on my life. And this birthday card that she mailed to my 17th birthday had a profound effect. And she probably never even knew it. Because in the card, all it said was, happy birthday, we love you, Psalms 46. Now let me just say, never underestimate the significance that you play when you speak or you reach out to make a difference in someone's life. Something that we think seemingly insignificant as a card can change somebody's life. And this card changed my life. So much so that it became a meaningful part of my life in ministry. Even to this day, I, I decided when I got into ministry that anytime I received a card, anytime I received a note, if someone left me a note of encouragement, that I wanted to save it. And so what I started doing 30 years ago when I got into ministry is when I got a card from someone, I would read it and be blessed by it. And then I would take it and I would place it on my bookshelf in between some of my books. I was building up my library and I just had a few books then. And so there was a place for me to put it. And over the years, as my library has grown, so have the cards I've received. And I would put a card every time I received it. It could be a birthday card. It could be a Christmas card. It could be a note. Just uh, Some of them were just torn out of the orders of service where somebody wanted to write me a note of encouragement or bless me. And, and I stick those in there. And then when I go and I'm studying and I reach up and I pull down that book, those cards fall out. And I can look at those cards and it's such a blessing. Even just to look and see the people over the last 30 years who God has brought into my life through ministry and just to give thanks when I read the notes from 25 years ago and 15 years ago and 10 years ago. Even today when I get discouraged or when I am struggling, I'll go and I'll pull out one of those cards and it'll always be something that even though you may have thought I'm just sending the pastor a card because it's pastor appreciation or I wanted to write him a note, it blesses me. Matter of fact, this week I, I was pulling down a book to study for this new series I'm doing and, and my Wednesday night series and a card fell out in a note and it was from Annette 
Hudgens, and I don't know if many of you remember Annette. She was uh, Lamar Hudgens' wife who passed away, but Annette was just a spiritual dynamo if you ever had uh, any contact with her. And probably I received in the couple of years that she was here in the park, more notes from her than anybody else. And when she wrote a note, if you got a note from Annette, it was not, God bless you. She poured scripture in there, and she prophesied over you, and she laid it out, and it would be two and three pages. And, and I, I, this week, as I read that note, I thought, how blessed just to have known her and just had her speak into my life. And as a 17-year-old student who was struggling in their life to get this note, and, and, and even though I grew up in church, and even though I was a part of church, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about the Psalms. I'd read the Bible and I'd heard Psalms mentioned, but I I didn't really know. And so Psalms 46, it kind of piqued my interest because you always wonder when somebody leaves a scripture, are they leaving it because they're, you know, calling you out? Are they leaving it because it's an encouragement? You know, what is the purpose of them writing this specifically for me? So I went to look and I had to go to the table of contents because I didn't know where Psalms was. And and there's nothing wrong with going to the table of contents. It's better than not looking at all. And so I went to the table of contents. I found Psalms and I looked at Psalms 46 and I started reading. And as I read, I couldn't get past verse one. For God is our refuge. He is my strength. He is my ever-present help. In times of trouble. That one verse just sat on me. God is my refuge. God is a safe place. I can go and hide. God is is dependable. He's someone that's always there for me to go and find comfort in. He's my strength. When I don't think I can go on, God said I can. When, When I want to give up, when I want to quit, when I want to check out, God is my strength. He's my ever present help in times of trouble. He says He's always here. He'll always be with you, and especially in times of trouble. When you feel alone and you're struggling, God says, I will be there. And that verse just sat on me. And in the next couple of years, as my parents separated and divorced, and I I was left alone many times with my younger brothers and sisters helping them, because right after that, my mother got sick. And many of you know my testimony. She began to fight a battle, a losing battle with diabetes that she'd been fighting from the time she was born. And over the next two to three years, as a late teenager, when, when I saw my mom in and out of hospitals and spend six months and eight months at a time in a hospital and she lost her her leg and she lost her eyesight and she lost the ability to work and her kidneys ceased functioning and then her heart began to go out and many times in a two-year period when I was raising my brothers and sister that we'd get a call at midnight that she wasn't going to make it through the night and I would have to load them in a car on a school night and we would drive an hour to the hospital and sit there and think this was it. And they'd tell us at five or six, she's, she's going to live, you can go home. And I'd load them back up and I'd take them back home and then get them up and get them ready for school. My only comfort was Psalms 46.1. It was on those long drives. It's on those nights when I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. When I felt alone, when I felt left out, when I felt like my life had no purpose, I heard God's voice. I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am your ever-present help in times of trouble. It became my go-to verse. Really, because it and Galatians 2.20 were the only verses I really knew by heart. But it, it was there when I struggled, when I sinned, when I was angry, when I was in pain, when I hurt, when I was rebellious, when I was a prodigal son, when, when I had nowhere else to go, when I had nowhere else to turn, when, when I thought my life was at its end. Psalm 46.1 spoke to me. It challenged me. It became the verse that became the, the centerpiece of my life. And as I moved off to college and God began to put a call on my life and I wanted to start growing spiritually. And I thought, I need to start reading the Bible more. And Chelsea was saying, I, I want this to become a part of my life, not just something I get on Sunday. And so I thought, I'm going to read it. And where did I go to start? Psalm 46. 
I started reading Psalm 46, and in the midst of that, I discovered what was probably the most well-known passage from Psalm 46, verse 10. I'd heard it preached on. I'd heard people talk about it. I'd heard people mention it, but I never realized it was a part of my psalm, the psalm that was mine. Word, be still and know that I am God. Now, for someone who had ADD, the idea of being still for anything made no sense whatsoever. They didn't call it ADD when I was growing up. We didn't know that's what it was. We couldn't keep my attention. I got bad conduct grades because I couldn't sit still. And and I was always scattered, moving around. I always had to be moving something. My hands had to have something in them. When I was at home, I always throwing a ball. I was always listening to, to music. I always had to have two or three things going. We called it multitasking, right? And so this idea of having to be still was crazy. When I was a kid... We didn't have Ritalin or other drugs to help us deal with that. All we had was my dad's belt and silly putty. Because that, you know, my dad's belt reminded me that I need to be still. And the silly putty kept my attention. I, I used silly putty in high school, college, seminary. Still today, you'll find silly putty in my office. When I, I want to start bouncing something, I get silly putty. And, and it got me through. But this idea, somehow my verse that had been a comfort and a strength and, and been an encouragement all those years, now all of a sudden had a physical and mental challenge attached to it, that I somehow had to learn to be still, that was going to be hard, if not impossible. Over the years, this passage, this Psalm 46, not just because it was meaningful to me and the promises that it made to me, but it has become probably my most dependable passage that I use when people are facing death, when people are facing tragedy. When people are facing difficulties in their life. I've read this more at funerals. I've I've taught this more. I've quoted it more in, in hospitals. Because it brings comfort and it brings peace. And in circumstances like that, it speaks incredible truth. But over the years, I've learned and discovered that there is more to Psalms 46 than just when you're struggling. More to Psalms 46 than just when you're having a difficult time. And that's why I think this passage is vital for you and I as we move in to 2018. Because I believe that while this is true and helps us in facing difficulties, at its core, this psalm is about us experiencing God in a real and fresh way. It's about you having an encounter with God beyond anything most of us have ever experienced before. It's about God empowering you through His truth to do things in the coming year that you never thought you could do. Not because you have the ability, but because God has made a promise to you that He will do it through you. This is a powerful passage. It's something that I think can make a difference. In other words, it's not just about comfort. It's not just about peace. It's for every day. It's for today. It's for 2018. It's for right now. Not just when we face difficulties. Not just when times get bad. And let me tell you how God revealed this truth to me. What unlocked it all? I've been reading it for years and I've been reading it and I I thought this is perfect for comfort and strength. And then all of a sudden, God unlocked something in me that I'd never seen before. And it happened when I'd been a parent for a couple of years. Because as a parent, I read... Psalm 46.10 in a different way. Let let me read it differently and see if you, those of you that are parents or grandparents or have been parents, see if maybe this sounds familiar to you. I'll start with nine. 
For he makes wars cease to the end of the earth, and he breaks the bow of the shattered spear, and he burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. And as a parent, have you ever said that? Did you say it? Be still. Did it mean peace and serenity? Be still. That's not what it meant, did it? Your kid's in your arm and they're fidgeting and they're fussy and they're yelling and they're not paying attention and they're looking over here and moving over here and what do you say to them? Be still! And that's the very thing that God is saying to us in verse 10. It's not a promise, it's a rebuke. It's a way to get our attention. In all these years, I've been reading it as some kind of serenity and peace that, that God is going on and all of a sudden He says, Rusty, just be still. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, stop, listen, pay attention. Because what I'm sharing with you is life-changing. He's looking at us and we're so busy in our schedules and so busy in our homes and so busy with work and kids and grandkids and projects and from dawn to dusk and we're always moving. And in doing that, we lose sight of what's really important and we lose sight of what God is trying to teach us. We get distracted from the truth and God has to shout out in a loud voice, Stop! Be still. I heard a pastor say one time that too many in the church today are in reality nothing more than Christian atheists. We believe that God exists, but we live like He doesn't. Because we get so distracted. We lose sight of who God is and what He's done for us. For many people, it's like eating a gourmet meal without any taste buds. There's really no purpose. We read all this stuff and we hear these promises like in Psalm 46, but it never makes a difference in our lives. The Hebrew word for be still here in verse 10 means to cast down or to let fall. Literally, it is the same word used to put your hands at your side. You ever tell your kids that? Don't touch anybody. Put your hands down, right? Be still. Why? Because they're not listening. They're not paying attention to what's important. Literally, it means stop everything. And just in and of itself, for me to tell you that God is telling you this morning to stop is foreign to everything that we understand. I realized that this past summer. I taught a sermon, did a sermon on Sunday on the Sabbath, rest. And that sermon in July and the sermon right before it on depression are the two most downloaded, most listened to, most heard sermons that I preached on our podcast in 2017. Three to one people have listened to that. Why? Because we struggle with the idea of stopping and being still and putting everything down. And here God gives us a specific purpose. He's not telling us just to be still for the sake of being still. He is saying be still and what? Know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That word know does not mean knowledge. It doesn't mean know as in head knowledge. The word know there is the same word to describe experience. To experience something. To discover something. To learn something. To to hold something. To comprehend something. It's a relational knowledge. It is experience. God is saying, be still and experience who I am. Now, Now just think about that for a minute. The holy God that we were just singing about. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That holy God is speaking into your life and saying, Be still. Stop for just a minute. Because I want you to experience me. Have you ever done that? I'm not talking about something that's done in here on Sunday. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about in your own personal, quiet, private time. Made a moment to where you blocked everything out. And you were still 
and you were totally focused on God to the point that you weren't going to stop until you experienced Him. See, Christianity is about a relationship. It's more than just knowing the truth. We read something like Psalm 46, and you and I say, I, I know that. God is my, my refuge and my strength and my source, my ever-present source of help in times of trouble. We know that, but Christianity is more than just knowing it in our head. Christianity is about experiencing our heart. And sadly, so many Christians never stop and take the time to experience it. We know it. We can quote it. We can tell other people it. But we haven't experienced it to the point that it becomes a part of our everyday life. That's what Psalms 46 is all about. I remember took a group of kids backpacking in Colorado several years ago. And, and we were hiking. We were doing a 25-mile hike. And we were hiking up in these way up in the Rockies and we had a guide with us and we were looking for water and we came around this bend and, and we were all thirsty and our canteens were almost empty and we came to this, the, it rained, there was snow melt and so the rivers were all real high and we came to this river and, and this river was brown. It had risen outside of its banks and so it was taking in all of the dirt and all of the contents that were all around it and, and I mean it was literally muddy. You couldn't see through it. And the guy that was with us got real excited and he said, listen, here's some fresh, pure drinking water. Dip your canteens in there and enjoy. And we looked at each other like, he's crazy. I'm not drinking that muddy, nasty water. We're looking, we're in Colorado. We're looking for some mountain springs, right? We're looking for some pure water. He said, this is it. He said, I'll tell you what, dip your canteens in there and fill them up and then take your glasses and pour that water in your glass and set it down for 10 minutes. So we... Build them up, did what he said, poured that glass in our water. And we went and we set down our glasses. And in that 10 minutes time, it allowed for all of that stuff that was swirling in that water to make it muddy to settle to the bottom. See, all that stuff that got churned up, all that stuff that clouded the water, all of a sudden started settling as the cup was still, as that water was still. And you could see at the top, pure crystal water. That's the way our lives are. So many of us are, are moving so fast and we're in such a hectic pace and, and we're in such rush that so many things have come into our lives and they cloud our view of God and they muddy who God really is. And God is saying, listen, I want you to see me for who I am. I want you to experience me in power and in might and in grandeur and in splendor. But you've got to stop. To let all that other stuff that's been clouding your brain all week settle to the bottom. That's what he means here. Be still. But you can never see him and experience him till you're willing to stop. You see, now when I read Psalms 46, it becomes obvious the structure. God's not just saying, be still and experience me. He goes into what he wants us to experience in the psalm. He lays it out. It's not just this esoteric, just come and experience God. You know, we, we say, I want to experience God. God said, I'm giving you something specific I want you to experience. And he lays it out in the passage. It's as if he, he is saying, look, here's what I want you to experience. And he's going through it, and he's going through it, and he's going through it. And he comes to verse 10, and he says, wake up. You're not paying attention. I want you to experience this. I want this to become a reality in your life. It's like he's saying, this is going to be on the test, right? You don't pay any attention in class. You kind of got your head down. You're thinking, maybe you're reading something, watching something on your phone. All of a sudden, the teacher says, this is going to be on the test. Everybody goes, what? What do you say? Right. God says, listen, this is important. This can change your life. 
This can change everything in the coming year. But you've got to pay attention. And the truths that he wants us to know are very obvious within the context of Psalms 46. And I'm just going to point them out to you because I think they're important. Because God just doesn't want us to experience Him. And He wants us to experience Him in a very real and tangible way. And they're obvious in this passage. And this is what I think He wants you to experience this year. Because this is what I think will make a difference in your marriage and in your work life. And as a parent and as a grandparent and as a neighbor and as a Christian. If we can begin to let these things become a part of our lives. Not just know them with our head. Experience them. Know that this is for me. So what does he say we want us to experience? Well, verses 1, 2, and 3 that I read earlier. It's obvious. God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What he wants you to experience is he wants you to experience that God is your protector. God wants you to recognize that your source of hope and security are not this world. It's not based on circumstances or situation. It's based on who God is. And when you begin to trust God to protect you from everything, when you trust and experience that protection, he's saying, why fear? Think, you read something like this, you think about what's been going on in California and what's been going on overseas with mudslides and and fires that are burning out of control and, and all these other things that are happening in the world. You say, it's just nothing but causes fear. But God says, if you will experience me as your protector, if you'll trust me, that I'm in charge, that I'm going to help, that I'm going to take care of you, that nothing is going to happen to you that I do not allow, what is, what is there to fear? The psalmist sings, everything is crashing and everything is going wrong, but as long as I know that God is in control and God loves me, I'm at peace. Life can change in an instant. And in that change, if we're not ready for it, if we're not trusting in God, that change can throw our whole world upside down. Relationships come and go. Economies rise and fall. Wars start and end. The earth shakes and trembles. Our health deteriorates. Friends betray us. But the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You can put your hope in Him. Not just theoretically, literally trust in Him. We are secure in an unsafe world because of the one who loves us is always in control. I remember a friend took his son fishing with him. He's a big fisherman. Wanted his son to get into it. He was three years old, three going on four. And he took him out in his boat. And the son was scared to death to get in the boat. And he told me the story. He said he was getting ready and had him life jacketed and on. The son was just sitting there almost shaking. The son was looking at the water and looking at the dad in the boat. He says, Dad, is this water over my head? And Dad said, yeah, it's over your head. And the son kind of took a step back. He said, Daddy, is this water over your head? He said, yeah. Son, there's a lot of places in this lake that the water's over my head. And he said his son was, just looked like he was overwhelmed with fear. And just out of the sincerity of his heart, he said, Daddy, is, is this water over God's head? And the dad, sincerely as possible, says, no, son. It's not over God's head. There is no water over God's head. See, that's what the psalmist is telling us. Some of you this morning, you feel like you're underwater. You feel like everything is crashing around you. feel like everything that you'd put your hope in is just all failing away. What the psalmist says is God will never disappoint you. He will protect your heart. He will protect your body. And he'll protect your soul if you let him. 
truth is more than knowledge, when it becomes something that overwhelms us, when it becomes something we experience, there's no room for fear in our lives. For me in 2018, I want to have a confidence in God that can never be shaken. Not just when the earth shakes. I want to be confident in God when the earth is still, when the economy is good, when things are going great. Not just turning to Him when problems arise. I want to trust that He is my protector when everything is well. And I want to experience that. But it requires that we be still, that we stop. He's my protection. Look what He says in verse 4. For there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. For nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fail. And he lifts his voice and the earth melts. For the Lord Almighty is with us. Come and see the works of the Lord. See what the psalmist is saying is not only does God protect you, but he provides for you. Do you, do you experience that? Do you trust that God will give you everything that you need in life? Do you trust that God will provide you all the strength and all the gifts and all the abilities and all the time to do everything that he's called you to do? Because he has. Struggle with self-sufficiency. Even as Christians, we think I can do it in my own strength. I don't need God. I can do it in my own power. I make enough money. I have enough talent. I have enough skills. But what happens when we put all of that weight on our shoulders is all of a sudden we start adding stress and worry because we start thinking, what if I can't? What if I can't make it? What if I can't provide what if I can't make it to the end of the month? What, what if my abilities are not good enough to take care of my family? What if, what if this happens or what if that happens and all of a sudden worry and stress comes on us? What he's saying is, look, there is a river that moves to the heart and God is in it and he will provide for your every need. Do you trust him? Do you trust that he'll give you all that you ever need in life? Have you experienced that? See, it's one thing just to say it. It's another thing to walk it out. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to allow these things to overwhelm me. I'm going to trust God's going to provide. He always has. And I'll tell you, in my life, He always has. My testimony is one that I can tell you time and time again. I, I, I went to college. When I decided God spoke to my heart, I didn't, I didn't sign up for college or register for college or apply for the college that I ended up going to until the end of July. School started the middle of August. People said, you're not going to get in. It's going to be full. And then you're not going to... I got in. But then there was a problem. It was one of the most expensive colleges. It was a private Christian college. One of the most expensive colleges in the state. And I had scholarship offers to state schools. Had lots of scholarship offers for academics and other things. But who gets scholarship offers when you don't get accepted to the end of July and school starts in August? My mom was out of work. She was in a hospital. So the guy at college said, come on. We'll see what we can do. And so I went to college, moved in my dorm room. They called me down the second day of freshman orientation. They said, listen, all this paperwork still hadn't gone through. We don't know how much money you're going to get. But by the end of the week, we've got to have $6,000 or you're going to have to go home. I didn't have anybody to call. I couldn't go back to the dorm and say, somebody bail me out. Somebody help. I just went back. I said, I'm going to trust God. God told me to come here. God's going to provide for it. I went to class on Thursday, went to class on Friday, thinking, they may call me out. I may be loading up the car. Went by the financial aid office after class on Friday just to see what happened, see if they'd heard anything, see if I was going to have to go home that weekend. God looked at me and said, unbelievable. You didn't just get enough to pay for your college. You got enough to live on throughout the semester. 
You have more than enough. And, and it's not loans. These are grants and scholarships. You're not going to have to pay anything back. People say, wow, that was an incredible coincidence. <laughs> what? Coincidences don't happen when you file your financial aid paper on uh, one day and 10 days later it comes through. That doesn't happen. Talk to people that are in cottage today. That was God. And I'd love to say that I was a spiritual giant, but I was just ignorant enough to believe that God was going to provide for me because he said he was. Sadly, many of us get so smart that we forget that fact. And you see, once I experienced that as a 19-year-old, you can't convince me otherwise. And that's what he's saying. Be still and know. Be still and experience. Because once you experience the power and the presence of God and know that he will protect you no matter what happens, know that he is always going to provide for you. He is always going to come through for you. Nothing can change. That always becomes the foundation of your walk. And then the last thing, God is my protection. God is my provider. Three times he says in this passage, God is with you. God is with you. says it again in verse 11. He said, God is not only, not only does he want you to experience him as your protection, as your provider, but he also wants you to recognize that he is always, always, always with you. Please hear me because this is for somebody here this morning who thinks they're alone, who thinks no one knows what I'm going through, who thinks you can't understand, Pastor, where I'm at. I want you to know I don't. But God does. And you're not alone. He sees you. He knows where you are. And he is right there with you. People always talk about tragedy. And the first thing you hear is, where was God? Where was God when that church was shot up in Texas? Where was God when when these mudslides swept over people's houses? Where was he? He was in those homes with those people. Where was he in Texas? He was in those pews sitting with those people. Because recognizing that God is with us and he will protect and provide doesn't escape bad things. But what it does is it gives us the confidence to trust him in the midst of bad things. Because he is there with us. We worship a God that's not over at the church or down at the temple or over there or out there. We worship a God that is right here with us. And when you leave this place, he goes with you. And he is in your home. And he is in the circumstances and the situations that you're going to face. And the Bible says in Psalm 46 that where God is, there is peace. But he also says where God is, there is worship. You see, the end of verse 10, we always talk about be still and know that I am God. Then he says, I will be exalted among all people. I will be exalted among all nations. Because when you're really still and you start to experience God and you recognize that God is here, you can't help but worship because there's no other proper response to the holy God coming and being here. The reason most of us don't worship is because we don't recognize and experience that God is right here. Because if we really understood that a holy God, the creator of the world, is right here in our midst, there's nothing that would distract us from worship. The whole purpose of this is God wants you to experience him in 2018. He wants you to experience all that he can do for you. He wants you to move beyond just knowing the truth. He wants you to experience the truth. Let it become a part of your lives. What might that look like? That I don't know for you. For me, it means every day I have to set a time aside and get quiet and get still and listen. 
And it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to think of all the other things that are going on. So you have to discipline yourself and say, I'm going to focus on God. So what I do is I sing worship songs or I quote scripture or I talk about the names of God. And it helps me focus on God. And in that moment while I'm listening in the stillness, I experience God. He reminds me daily, Rusty, I'll protect you. Rusty, I'll provide for you. Rusty, no matter whatever you face today, I'm going to be right there with you. You're not alone. And it's when you begin to experience that, it changes your life. Psalms 46 has been an incredible comfort to me during some of the most trying times of my life. But this year, I want it to be more. I don't want it to be discomfort. I want it to be confidence. I want it to be a place that I can walk out knowing that God goes before me and he goes with me and that he will provide my every need and he will protect me no matter what I face. Let me ask you, do you know that? Have you experienced that? If you haven't, it's probably because you haven't taken the time to be still. Let's be honest. As parents, usually the only time that our kids are still in our arms or when they're sick or they're hurting or they're in pain or something's wrong, right? When they're sick or they're hurting or they're in pain or they're scared, they get in our arms and they get real still. See, sadly, many Christians, it's the same way. The only time that we're really still in God's presence is when we face tragedy and when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when we're suffering, when someone dies, then we crawl up in God's arms and we're still. And it's in that time that these truths become real to us. God is our comforter. God is our peace. And so what we do is we equate those times with these truths. As if these truths are only real for me in those times. But God's saying, it's not. For every day, for every season of your life. And if you're lucky as a parent, there are those moments when your kids crawl up in your arms and cuddle up to you and are still, not because they're in need and not because they want something. They do it just because of who you are. You see, my goal in 2018 is to make it a priority, to take more time, to be still and know God, experience God. Not because of what He promises or not because of what I need. I want to be still and experience Him just because of who He is.